Hey, if you're jumping in a little late, my name's J.D. Mangrum. I get to be the pastor of Christ Church Charlestown. We're so honored you're here today. And I know a lot of you are enjoying being some of the ones who've been in person, some of the ones who have been gathering on Facebook Live are probably enjoying and chatting, and I'm enjoying chatting with you, uh, sort of multitasking. It's Saturday night. If you can see out the window, it's snowing behind me. It's dark. Uh, I hope that the message just conveys a ton of light. I pray that the Bible conveys a ton of light uh, this morning, even as we worship. But I want to encourage you, just keep feeling free to chat. Also, though, I want to encourage you maybe to take notes and listen and follow along today as, as we read from God's Word. If you've got a Bible, we're going to look today at uh, John chapter 14. We're in the middle of a series called Christmas at the Movies, where we're looking at different movie scenes and talking about how they tie into gospel themes. We're not necessarily early in December looking at traditional Christmas passages, but we want to see the power of Jesus' incarnation of God becoming a man. Have you ever gotten separated from a parent? Uh, have, you ever, have you ever thought your parents left you? Today we're talking about the movie Home Alone. Honestly, one of the scariest days of my childhood was the day we lost my brother at the mall. My brother and I were masters of four things at the mall. One was hide and seek between those circular racks. You remember those where the clothes would hang? We were amazing at hiding in those. Two, at the mall we were incredible at making a lot of noise. Three, we were great at nearly getting kicked out of every Sears and every Belks in the South. And number four, we were masters at ruining my mom's time. Mom, if you're watching today, I apologize for the headaches we caused you at every mall ever. On this one faithful day, though, we were way, way too quiet. And mom knew something wasn't right. She assumed that I knew where my brother was. After all, I was about seven. I'm thinking he was three. There's four years difference between us. I can't remember exactly. We were playing. She kind of moved along from one section of the mall to the next one. Uh, I moved along with her, but my brother didn't. And we got separated, honestly. And uh, she searched the store and panic was beginning to set in. I, I can kind of remember that. And she retraced her steps. There was nothing. The panic was getting a little more intense. She reached out, I remember, to mall and store administration and they called over the loudspeakers. I, I don't, there was no response. And so fears were really setting in. And I'm sure for my mom, uh, worst case scenarios were probably running through her mind. When she searched everywhere, she knew, uh, everywhere she knew to look, we did one last move. She, we went to the car and there was my brother actually sitting on the trunk of the car. My brother Jason was probably three or four, I guess, and he was sitting on the trunk of our green Oldsmobile. Instant relief mixed with wonder, and when asked why he went to the car, I distinctly my remember my brother saying something like this, I knew you wouldn't leave me, and I also knew eventually you'd have to come to the car, so I came to the car. To this day, I don't know if he was afraid or confused or felt abandoned, but I know he knew my mom was not going to leave him. Like, that was confident. He was, of that, he was confident. You ever feel like the God, uh, of, the God who the Bible calls the everlasting father, that he left you? Or have you ever felt like he was going to leave you? Or just even wonder why he hadn't left you? Honestly, I, I know a lot of people uh, in New England, a lot of friends, dear friends in Charlestown who think God has left them. And uh, I want to tell you, since God is spirit and can't be seen physically, it takes faith, honestly, to believe he's there. I get that. And if we believe he's there, then it's easy to believe he could one day not be there. If you've ever felt that, you're not alone. I've even felt that many times in my journey. At Christmas, we celebrate Emmanuel, God with us. 
you see it on the banner behind me, usually on Sundays when we meet at the theater. Baby Jesus reminds us that God became flesh and dwelt among us. Adult Jesus spoke a ton about God's presence in our lives, and today I want us to talk about that. If last week we talked about how God is a God who comes looking for us, then today the big idea is that God is a God who never leaves us. He never leaves us. If you got a Bible uh, and you turn to John 14, we're just going to read three verses today, John 14, 18, 19, and 20. And I want to read you something Jesus told the disciples on his last night before his arrest and, and then his crucifixion and death. He says this in John 14, 18. I won't leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live, you also will live. And that day you will know that I'm in my Father, you and me and I and you. You remember uh, Kevin McAllister at home alone, he made his family disappear? Uh, remember the confrontation scene with his mom? Remember the, um, it, and I'll be honest, like if you're a family and you're watching kids be warned, you're gonna hear a word that would have landed Kevin on the naughty list and uh, he's gonna talk to his parents in a way that I would not recommend you try at home. If you do, you might be like Ralphie from A Christmas Story and get the bar full of soap. Parents, I apologize in advance for Kevin saying a borderline swear word that rhymes with ducks and hockey pucks. If, uh, if so, cover your kids' ears in this little clip if you need to. But uh, we're gonna watch a clip today about Kevin kind of wishing his family away from Home Alone. There are 15 people in this house. You're the only one who has to make trouble. I'm the only one getting dumped up. You're the only one acting up. Now get upstairs. I am upstairs, dummy. Third floor? Go. It's scary up there. Don't be silly. Fuller will be up in a little while. I don't want a super fuller. You know about him. He wets the bed. He'll pee all over me. I know it. Fine. We'll put him somewhere else. I'm sorry. It's too late. Get upstairs. Everyone in this family hates me. Then maybe you should ask Santa for a new family. I don't want a new family. I don't want any family. Families suck. Just stay up there. I don't want to see you again for the rest of the night. I don't want to see you again for the rest of my whole life. And I don't want to see anybody else either. I hope you don't mean that. You'd feel pretty sad if you woke up tomorrow morning and you didn't have a family. No, I wouldn't. Then say it again. Maybe it'll happen. I hope I never see any jerks again. First, Kevin believes it's his, it's his goodness and his family's badness and his wish that caused his family to be gone. After all, he was the only one ever getting dumped on. Uh, in his mind, his family saw him as the only one ever making trouble. He was what his Uncle Frank called, you little jerk. He was such a disease. He was les incompetents. Yeah, even the one, uh, even his buzz, his brother said that he would feed him to his tarantula. The family's disappearance merited him jumping on the bed, running through the house like a crazy person and shooting pellet guns indoors and eating junk and watching rubbish and even sledding down those stairs and out the front door. Be honest, every one of us wanted to do that. I was bummed we didn't have stairs and I could never try that as a kid. Every kid since 1975 in a house with stairs has thought about that move. Eventually though, Kevin comes to see it's his badness, not his goodness, that wished his family away, and he longs for a restored relationship. The truth was, his mom and dad forgot him, honestly, they forgot him. Uncle Frank forgot his reading glasses, 
and Peter and Kate McAllister forgot their son. If we're honest, we can believe God um, would leave us or he would forget us. We can believe that. We can tend to think that. It may be one of our great spiritual fears, honestly, to think that God would leave you. I, I remember my late teens, early 20s, going through a season where I felt like I had sort of out faith, out, out sin and under faith God to the point that maybe he had walked away. I come to find out he, he hadn't, but I certainly felt that way. Contrast Kevin's words and maybe those feelings with Jesus's words, I will never leave you as orphans. Part of Hebrews 13.5 says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. It's quoting Deuteronomy 31.6, written 1,500 years earlier, which says, Be strong and courageous. Don't fear or be in dread of them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. That word forsake literally means to abandon or to desert or to leave behind or to leave undone, like a, to leave a pair of shoes undone or to leave your child on a doorstep, like at a fireplace or with a stranger in modern terms. That's what Jesus is saying. I'll never do that to you. Jesus will not leave you behind. He won't leave his work in you undone. From, Abra from God banishing Adam and Eve from the garden to the 12 disciples to you and I today, God will never leave his children. Jesus does not leave his family like orphans. Under your seat today, had we been meeting, you were going to have three different size envelopes. I was going to show you one of the most life-changing things I ever saw that ever happened. I remember in 1998, sitting in the, uh, the church office of my college pastor, his name was Doug Nix, and he walked me through this. If it's, we'll actually have these for you maybe next Sunday for you to experience. But I remember Doug uh, showed me something really simple that forever changed my life. He had a couple of envelopes, three envelopes, and a note card and a pen. And he said, um, and, and some of you have seen this, so bear with me. He read John 14, 20 to me, where Jesus says, um, on that day you'll realize that I am in the Father, but you're in me and that I am in you. And he made me write Jesus on a tiny little piece of paper. And then he made me write me, my name, on a little envelope. And we put Jesus in me. And then he, uh, next he, he wrote Jesus on another envelope and he put the envelope that said JD inside the Jesus envelope and then, and he sealed it. And then the third one, we wrote God. I distinctly remember this. I can still see the writing. I still have the envelope by this way, by the way, all these years later, uh, we wrote God on that last envelope and we put Jesus in there. So Jesus was in me. I was in Jesus and Jesus was in God. And there was no way. And we sealed it up. And I remember Doug saying, now I want you as best you can to write down the year and roughly the date or the place when you gave your life to Christ. And then he said, imagine that on the day you gave your life to Christ, Christ came and his spirit came and lived in you and you were sealed in Christ and Christ is sealed in God. And he said, you'll never be separated from God's love. You'll never be separated from God's love. Jesus said, that day you'll realize I'm in the Father, you're in me and I am in you. I would encourage you to get these envelopes and do something like this. We'll have them for you again next Sunday. If you're not yet a Christ follower, I would encourage you to do this and just not write in the date. Listen, we need these tangible illustrations, these tangible reminders of what God has done in our life or what God wants to do in our life 
I was talking with uh, one of you the other day, and, and you told me, you said, um, how do I know when I know that I'm surrendered to Christ, that I'm following Christ? And uh, the person said, you know, should I go do something? Should I go somewhere? Should I give something? I'm willing to do whatever. And the truth is, it's just as simple as a relationship. It's, it's, not, um, it's not complicated. It's almost so simple, our role in it, becoming a follower of Christ, that we can feel like we have to do more. It's just turning from sin and admitting we're a sinner to God and then believing Jesus was who he said he was and came to do from the manger to the cross to the empty tomb, came to do exactly what he said he would do to forgive our sins and make a way for relationship. And then it's committing our life to Christ, inviting him in, saying, Jesus, I want you to come into my life and invade my life and everything I have is yours and asking him to fill you and never leave you. And we see from those verses, John 14, 18 through 20, that he won't leave us or abandon us. He seals us in himself and he seals himself in us and he seals himself in God the Father and we can never be separated. Now, let's talk about the implications of that for those who are Christ followers or are thinking about it. Because we're, we're, we're prone to forget, right? That God won't leave us or forsake us. In a tight, we forget. But I want to tell you that God will not leave you. God will not leave you in your sin. He won't leave you in your selfishness. He won't leave you in your stubbornness. He won't leave you in your waywardness, your wandering. God won't abandon you. He won't leave you at the doorstep or leave you undone in your difficulty. He won't leave you in your drudgery on the boring days. He won't leave you in your dryness. If you feel like you're in a spiritual dry spell, God's not leaving you. That's not why you feel dry. It's just part of being human at times. If you're in any of those places today, Christian, I want to encourage you to look to Christ and the fact, think of those envelopes that you're sealed up in God. Jesus hasn't and won't abandon you. Say it with me. Jesus hasn't and won't abandon me. You might even type it in the chat. Jesus hasn't and will not abandon me. Don't be too cool for school on that. God is the God who will never leave us. Not only will he not leave us, he promises in the Bible, Deuteronomy 31.8, but he goes before us and he won't and we don't go into any future that he hasn't already looked into and cleared the way for. Uh, Deuteronomy 31.8, Joshua 1.9, he goes with us. We're never, ever, ever alone. I feel like today someone really needs to hear this idea, this verse that's shared Joshua 1.9, that whether you're in a valley of sickness or debt or financial uncertainty or trial or hard time or battle, or maybe you're in a fight against addiction, or maybe it's an emotional season, you're dealing with anxiety or fear or doubt or depression or unbelief, or maybe even the death of a loved one, or maybe you're even fighting death or sickness right now. I wanna tell you that God goes with you based on Joshua 1.9. Isaiah 41.10, he will strengthen and uphold and sustain us. We don't have to muster up our strength to fight life's battles or weather life's storms. Isaiah or Philippians 1.6, he will see through to the end what he's already started. His presence in us means we can live holy, not sinless, but maturing, growing, deepening lives and put sin patterns to death. Romans 8.39, he will never let any circumstance separate us from his love in Christ Jesus. Romans 8.28, he will let uh, all of our circumstances work together for our good and for his glory. We don't journey with God to get dumped on. We uh, may not always understand exactly what we're going through, or, and our situations might not be good. Not every situation is good. 
but we can trust that God is going to work all things together for good in our life, that he will never leave us like the McAllisters left um, Kevin. And in verse uh, Deuteronomy 20, verse 1, he will be with us against all our enemies. And finally, in Psalm 23, 1, he is enough. Jesus is enough. God is enough. The question isn't, is God still with me? The better question for us may be, do I recognize God's presence and care in my life? Do you recognize God's presence and care in your life, even when it doesn't come in the form that we like? Do we see God as caring even when his care doesn't look like what we envisioned or what we would choose? Do I need God to reveal himself like I want or will I look for him as he's revealing himself, providing, caring, leading? To this day, the majority of Jewish people, the ones to whom the scripture promised the Messiah Jesus would come, the people group into which Jesus was born, to this day, most Jewish people reject Jesus. Why? Because he wasn't the savior that they wanted. He wasn't the savior they were looking for. They were, uh, he was among them, but he wasn't like they thought he should be. So it doesn't sound like we're picking on Jewish people today. I wanna toss you and me in there as well, frankly. How often does Jesus's meekness, poverty, humiliating death call, and his call to put sin to death no matter the cost, to call, the call to Take up, take up our cross and deny ourselves and, and follow him. How often does that offend us and cause us to miss a deeper relationship with him? Frankly, to be very real, how, how much have we cleaned up our crucifixion scenes and how much have we even sterilized our nativity sets so that Jesus is less offensive? I certainly, when I look at this, don't smell the smell of a barn. I don't hear the screams of a crying baby. I don't smell a dirty diaper. I don't see an exhausted young mother. I don't see a father, an earthly father in Joseph who's trying to piece together exactly what God's doing here and trying to figure it out. We, we clean all this up because it makes us a little uncomfortable. Jesus doesn't always come into our world in the way he, we think he should, but he comes nonetheless and it requires faith and trust to persevere with him in belief. Contrast them and us, by the way, with the shepherds. That night they heard a savior was born and they had an invite to see him. They didn't care where he was. They didn't care what he looked like. They just wanted in. When God's activity in my life or his presence with me don't look like I envision, am I okay to accept him on his terms? When the pathway to discipleship goes down roads of difficulty, rejection, poverty, sickness, sacrifice, loss, and even death, I can still say that he is good. And I can confidently say that he is with me, that he will never leave me nor abandon me. You can say it as well. He won't abandon us or leave us as orphans. He will come to us and we will recognize that he is in us and we are in him and he is in the Father, and we are secure. The McAllisters, honestly, they, they finally found Kevin, if you've never seen the movie, spoiler alert, right? He, in fact, didn't actually make his parents disappear. I never thought about that till this year. We watched the other night, and that was like, he actually thinks he made his parents disappear. And so it was probably odd when his mom walked in without the rest of the family. They left him, but they made their way back. God will never leave you. 
this the day or season that you were born again settled it i was reading in my quiet time this morning that god holds us in the palm of his hand and nothing can separate us because it's him holding us not us holding him the cross secured it the spirit of god in you seals it it's a fact regardless of what you've done or said or thought or feared so if god is always with me if god is always with you and he won't leave you and he won't leave me and God is always wanting for all people and all creation to bring him glory. That today is the day he wants to do something. Maybe not something grand, uh, but definitely something authentic to you and to me. And definitely something unique to this day. This, this day, this moment, this church service. God wants to do something in you and with you and for you and through you. That frankly, you never have an opportunity to see it happen this exact same way and time again. And so I know today he wants to become your savior if you've never nailed that down. I know that. I say that confidently. So I would challenge you, not yet Christian or unsure one, to nail it down this day. I, I would encourage you that your best gift this year at Christmas would be your gift of yourself to God, that you would give yourself to God today. Today I would challenge each of you to put this envelope that I was going to give you. I'm going to have them for you. I want us to put them by our nativity sets uh, and remember that the, the manger and the cross and the empty tomb settle our relationship with Jesus and mean that he will never leave us. So put yourself in these nativity sets somewhere. Finally, my brother knew my mom wouldn't leave him. He made him not have known how she was going to find him or um, but I, he knew that she wasn't going to leave. Today, I want to call us all to look at our lives, kind of look circumspectly, look around at our lives and look around at our church and say, where is God at work? Where is God at work in Christchurch, Charlestown? Where is God at work in Charlestown or Millbury or Andover or Mattapan, Quincy or Somerville or wherever you may be watching from today? Look around. Where is God at work? And maybe even humbly ask, Lord, where have I been missing you? Maybe it'll be in a relationship or a trial or a past hurt or habit or hang up. Maybe a future situation that lies ahead and seems really scary to you right now. Find God at work and join him there, as Henry Blackaby used to say in Experiencing God. Find him there and trust and in surrender and know that he is a God who will never leave you nor forsake you. Let me pray for us really quick. I'm going to kind of pray, if it's okay, in two phases. For those who need to give your life to Christ, I want to invite you to do that today. For those who are Christ followers, I'm going to lead us all also in a prayer. For the one who maybe is not yet a Christ follower but would like to become one today, you might just pray to God uh, something like this. Uh, Dear God, Father in heaven, uh, Jesus, I, I ask you to come into my life today. I ask you to forgive my sin. Thank you for dying on the cross for me, rising from the dead. It's best I know how. Today, I'm committing my life to you. Come into my life, like that verse said, and never leave me. And as best I can, I'm going to follow you all the rest of the days of my life. In Jesus' name, I pray and ask for this. Amen. I want to tell you, if you prayed that and, and meant it, it's not the magical sort of word. It's not an incantation. But if you meant that, the Bible says that Christ has come into your life and you are now his. For the rest of us, can I pray and praise God for those who maybe have given their life to Christ and ask God to help us see where he's at work. Uh, Father, here we are, all of us, uh, believers, brand new believers, maybe not even yet believers. Will you show us where you're at work? 
And will you show us the ways that maybe we've missed you or tried to clean up what you were doing or asking you to work and be present on our terms? God, would you show us where you're at work and will you help us to join us there? And I thank you that you never leave us or forsake us. God, maybe the best news we can hear at Christmas this year is that the God who lives in us, the God who came to the manger, went to the cross, rose from the dead, sits at the right hand of God and is coming again. He will never leave us nor forsake us. He won't abandon us or leave us as orphans. God, we thank you, Jesus, that you never leave us. We love you. Live your life through us, God. May we grow deeper with one another, closer to you, and therefore closer uh, to one another, and a deeper mission in our community and our world. We love you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Hey, before we get out of there, a couple things. One, go fill out your connection card. Remember when I used to do this every Sunday? ChristChurchCharlestown.com slash connect. I think it's still there. Um, Hopefully you'll find your way to it or the old QR code should still have it. I think, Nick, uh, we'll make sure to get a link to you to fill out a connection card. Go do that. If you gave your life to Christ today and you wanted to become a follower of Christ, check the first box on your connection card. Any other requests or decisions you've made, please share them with us. Second, I want to tell you that we've got our missions offering going, our Christmas offering. Every dollar given from Thanksgiving to the end of the year goes to missions. Had we met at the school today, you would have seen, or at the theater today, old habits die hard, you would have seen uh, some ornaments on the Christmas tree um, for every $100 that's given this year at Christmas to missions, we are going to put an ornament on the tree. Had you been there today, you would have seen over 20 ornaments that have, would already be on the tree because you guys have already given over $2,000 uh, so far this month. So, man, praise the Lord for that. Keep giving generously. We're gonna give to causes near and far. We can't wait to see what God is going to do through us as we bless our community, bless church planters and missionaries on the other side of the world even. So, man, I think that's it. I think that's it. I love you. Merry Christmas. Hope to see you December 13th. Go ahead today and sign up for next Sunday's gathering, the 9, the 10, 15, or the 11, 30. We do a better job this week of getting signed up. Look forward to seeing you. Let us know if there's anything we can do for you. Man, God bless you. Have a tremendous day, a tremendous week.